We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America Podcast. My name is Bill Troche, Senior Editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our lead college football writer at SportingNews.com. Thank you to everyone listening to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And for those of you who are watching on our YouTube channel on CFB Nation, if you have the time to leave a review on Apple, that would be great. If you had the time to leave some comments and a like on the YouTube channel. That would be great. Uh, thank you to Irish Breakdown, your source for Notre Dame football information. They have a tremendous lineup of podcasts and great stories at irishbreakdown.com. Uh, Bill, we stand uh, a mere eight weeks from week zero. Summer's flying by, as you can tell. Uh, I'm struggling a little bit, playing hurt today with my voice. I'm, I'm working a, a tennis camp. Uh, for the last few weeks, and uh, the, the kids, they're wearing me down a little bit. They're wearing my voice down a little bit. I feel better than I sound, but uh, you may be have to. You may be Vince Young carrying Texas to the national championship on this podcast. So, um, just warning you right now. Well, you sound better than yesterday, and you know I, I get it. You know, if any of us have coached kids, we know that we can lose our voice, but uh, it must be a good camp if your voice sounds like that. So, uh, well, we're going to power through this one, but it's, I'll let you take the lead, and if you need me to tap in, I will. Yeah, no, no, we're uh, we're, we're going to have some fun with this one. Uh, like we said, we're we're eight weeks from from week zero. Summer's flying by, but we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna today we're gonna look at the ultimate prize in the sport. The national championship, the the thing that you know a lot of programs work fifty two weeks a year for. Um, you know, I think you and I aren't fully obsessed with who wins the national championship. We appreciate the sport week zero through week fifteen from the East Coast to the West Coast, um, but the national championship certainly is an important part of college football. Uh, and with Georgia sitting on two straight national championships and obviously going for third straight, no team. Since the AP started awarding national championships in 1936, has ever won three in a row, uh, including shares. Even three in a row where two were, were um, you know, unanimous and then one was a share of a national. Nobody has ever done three. Uh, you had the idea yesterday to kind of look back at the last three 
teams that tried for the three-peat and just how remarkable those three teams were, how close they came and everything like that. So, um, yeah, why don't you uh, why don't you take us through uh, the, the three teams and then we'll, we'll start talking about, um, you know, Alabama. But actually, before first, before I forget, Trochi Trivia. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're, we're going to talk 2013 Alabama as a team that tried to three-peat and, 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 and the whole kick six game. Um, not, no spoiler alert there. So my trivia question focuses not on the kick six, but the game two weeks before the kick six. Okay. Two weeks before the kick six, Auburn beat Georgia on the immaculate deflection. Um, There's a miracle with 25 seconds left. It was a 73 yard touchdown uh, that turned a, a shore loss into a victory for Auburn. Georgia had scored 21 straight points in the fourth quarter. They were down 20. They scored 21 straight points in the fourth quarter to take the lead right before Auburn pulled off its miracle. Um, who was the Georgia quarterback that led that fourth quarter comeback? We will get to the answer at the end of the show. Think about that. It's the 2013 Georgia-Auburn matchup. Georgia, incredible fourth quarter comeback, all for naught. So, all right, I'll let you jump in. Take us through the last three attempts at a three-peat. Yeah, I mean, and I think the sport is better when you have this going on, when you have a team going for a three-peat. We've never seen it. I mean, we've never seen it in the Super Bowl era. So whenever you have this dominance, I think it is good for the sport in some ways that we're going to root against Georgia because they qualify for where you were when when they lose. The next time they lose, we'll all know where they were, just like these three teams. You know, 1996, Nebraska had won the year – two years before 26 straight games dominated the sport, Tommy Frazier, you know, and then they, they lose and we'll talk about Nebraska a little bit. We'll talk about that game. I mean, I know where I was. Um, USC, you talked about Vince Young earlier. I mean, everybody that's a college football fan that has any recollection of that game knows that knows where they were when Vince Young went for it on fourth and six. And, and of course the kick six. So with Alabama, it's so rare I mean, this is only the fourth time in my lifetime that we've had a team have a chance to go for three in a row, how hard that really is. And that's why, although every major publication in this country is going to pick Georgia for the most part to win it this year, there's always that little bit of caution. I mean, when Alabama lost, I I remember being in the sporting news 
Well, I wasn't in the newsroom. I was at home. I just remember the shock value of seeing that happen. And, and I think we will experience that in so, on some level whenever Georgia loses this year or when it becomes clear that they can't three-peat. Yeah, so I, I looked up um, the circumstances of Alabama's pursuit in 2013, right, of the their <clears throat> excuse me third national championship in a row. They're undefeated. They're playing Auburn uh, in the last game of the regular season. Uh, and just some of the crazy things that happened in the kick six game before the kick six. Uh, Alabama, they missed a 44-yard field goal in the first quarter, obviously, came back to bite them. But in the fourth quarter alone, Alabama missed a 33-yard field goal. Uh, then with five minutes to go in a tie game, they were stuffed on fourth and one at the Auburn 13-yard line. T.J. Yeldon, no game, with five minutes to go. They hold Auburn. They get the ball back. They drive down again with under four minutes to go. They have a 44-yard field goal to basically take the lead very late, and it gets blocked. All that happened in the fourth quarter before one of the most memorable plays in college football history. Yeah, and then they they got the second put on the clock. I do remember that because they, 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 you know, Nick Saban – politic to get that that extra second on the clock so that the kick six happened that's what I remember most because you were kind of thinking well why not let the time run out now like as soon as that as soon as you saw Chris Davis catch the ball I was like well I bet he wish he wouldn't have done that because you just saw it happen the way it did um you know I think AJ McCarron it, it a lot of it is what these these teams shared in common is you know with it was a little bit, bit different with Tommy Frazier because he was gone but and Scott Frost had taken over, but you know, AJ McCarron was a darling. We all, you know, knew who his girlfriend was. We knew, we knew everything about him being a Heisman candidate. And it was a big deal for, uh, was it Catherine Webb? Was that her name? I, I, yes. Maybe I don't know now, but I believe they're married, but it was, um, he was a celebrity even, even though he wasn't really the best player in the country because he was on this invincible team. Right, and that so the kick six was the fourth basically failed field goal uh, for Alabama that day. You know, I mean, and Alabama, I don't know how much of a favorite they were uh, to win that, um, but it just shows you how close they were to to winning. You know, I mean, they did go on to lose their bowl game by fourteen points to Oklahoma, uh, but I think you know the motivation wasn't quite what it would have been had they uh, continued their drive for three peat. Uh, but a lot of just fluky flukiness, needless to say, you talk about remembering where you were. I remember exactly where I was. And it's a funny story. I was uh, working at Sports Illustrated at the time, but my family had taken a trip up to Massachusetts to see my uh, brother's family on Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, my brother's family has a tradition where they go to um, a performance of a Christmas carol on the Saturday night after Thanksgiving every year, they go to Salem, Massachusetts. They get every, you get on a trolley. There's all these actors. You go to different spots. It's really fun, really good thing. Um, and it happens early in the evening. And uh, we watched the first half of the Alabama Auburn game. And then just everybody went on to the performance. And uh, after the performance was over, I wasn't checking my phone or anything. I got in my car, my friend, Mitch light friend of the podcast. He's at the athletic now called me. And asked me, we were about to go to dinner, and uh, the whole family was in the car. I was in the parking lot, and he says, did you see the end of the Alabama-Auburn game? And I said, no, I didn't. And he said, it was the most incredible finish in college football history, and I am not 
exaggerating. <laughs> yeah, he, it, uh, he took me through it. And uh, like I said, yeah, I remember exactly where I was. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, yeah. I mean, I didn't miss, I watched it live because, you know, Ohio state, obviously it opened up some possibilities for them that season too, um, which ended up not happening, but um, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's always a big deal when Alabama loses. It's still a big deal when Alabama loses uh, 10 years later, it'll be a big deal if they lose their for when they lose their first game. So that's really a testament of these three teams. Um, they're the one that's kind of stood the test of time because it's still going, you know, 10 years later, you, we thought the dynasty was over then we think it's over now. The season hasn't started. So <laughs> that that's really a testament to what Nick Saban's been able to do there. Yeah. So there's the other two teams. It was 2005 USC of course. Uh, they uh, shared a national championship with LSU uh, in 2003. Then they won it all in 2004. In 2005, they were undefeated. They made the national championship game, again, so close to the 3 It just shows you how these back-to-back teams really have not dipped in that third season. USC was undefeated. Uh, they were playing Texas in the Rose Bowl, possibly the greatest college football game of all time. A lot of talent on the field. USC had a 12-point lead with six minutes to go. Uh, Texas drove right down the field, scored a touchdown, and uh, USC needed to bleed the clock. One last possession to win their third national title in a row. Couldn't do it. They led 38-33. There was just over two minutes to go. They had a fourth and two at the Texas 45-yard line. Texas still had two timeouts to go. So had USC converted here, there's a possibility USC still could have forced a punt and had a minute to go. I mean, Texas would have had a minute to go, but like – this was basically the game. Uh, Lendale White, of course, was stuffed with Reggie Bush famously on the bench for that play. And then Vince Young just took over, drove the Longhorns right down the field, threw or ran for every yard, and then, of course, finished it with the memorable touchdown and the confetti and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, give me your thoughts on on USC's. So they're, they're this close to getting their three-peat. Well, I, you know, a couple of years ago, Sporting News did the SN150 most impactful games of all time. And this was number three behind USC and Alabama in 1970, which was obviously a legendary game because it helped integrate the South in terms of college football. And then the um, fatigues game between Miami and Penn State, which, you know, there's a people that I, I'm you. That'd be a good question for you. I mean, which one do you remember more? The fatigues game? Or uh, this one, because, I mean, I'm going to be honest, Bill, I was seven years old for the fatigues game. This one, there's not a better game I've ever watched in my life, college football-wise. This is the biggest one. Because of, like, those things I was talking about, uh, USC had won 30 they, – they've taken it away, air quotes, with, with you know, taking the, the streak away, but they've won 34 in a row, you know? They, they were unstoppable. Again, Matt Leiner and Reggie Bush were national celebrities in college. They were the best show on TV. They were probably arguably in some ways better than watching the NFL. And that's very rare that you catch on a team like that. And here was Texas with Vince Young that was just absolutely unstoppable with, with that team. So the theater leading up to the game, having three, I believe they finished top three in the Heisman, those three guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and the amount of NFL talent that was on the field. Um, 
And I'm I'm ninety percent sure USC was number one and Texas was number two preseason. Wire to wire. And they didn't move. Wire to wire. And we were, and we were waiting for this game for four months. And we don't, you know, around here in Columbus, they don't like to talk about that because Ohio State had Texas beat. Uh there was a drop touchdown in the shoe. And, you know, Vince Young led the Lima Swede. You just say his name around here, people still know what you're talking about. He was the guy that made the diving catch to to beat Ohio State. So yeah, I mean, in terms of theater, Rose Bowl. Keith Jackson calling it. The play I remember most, though, Bill, honestly, is when Reggie Bush tried to lateral it on the run, and it resulted in a turnover. And it was one of those could have been another highlight real play for him, turns into a disaster. And, um, you know, of course, Vince Young being unstoppable that night. It's still the best college football game I've ever watched. Right. And just that you just it was inevitable that he was going to tuck it on that last touchdown. And, you know, USC provided an out an out for him you know they did not contain him on the rush I think the defensive end peeled to the middle a little bit gave him a lane and like he was just there was no doubt he was going to score he got the two-point conversion to get him up three and you know USC even if they did get a chance at a field goal it was going to be for the tie Um, but yeah just just amazing and you know ESPN ran how many shows leading up to that game with USC being the greatest team of all oh, time. I mean, they that's were, a kiss of death right there. They were comparing them to everybody. I remember the series. Like, they were comparing them to could they beat this Miami team? Could they beat, you know, Doc Blanchard and Glenn Davis Army in the 40s? They were absurd segments. and But that <laughs> was just spoke to the power of the celebrity that that team had with Pete Carroll. I mean, in terms of coaching matchups, you had Pete, you had uh, Mac Brown, you had Matthew McConaughey on the sideline. It, it had every bit of theater. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. I mean, it was – that was the – that's the crown jewel college football game of my lifetime. And, and like I said, it's nothing against the Penn State-Miami game. I, I know the significance of that. And, you know, around here, I mean, it's – there have been huge Michigan-Ohio State games, uh, but nothing like that one. And, and I don't know that – I don't know the next time we'll see one because it, it would have to be this year with Georgia being number one and somebody being number two all year. But we've, we've kind of seen that a couple times with them in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so we'll see. I don't know that there's a consensus two this year necessarily. Uh, maybe it's Ohio state and maybe, you know, if the two do meet again, they had so much drama last year in the semifinals. So we'll see about that. But yeah, Texas USC's their their place atop the food chain is is pretty safe for the foreseeable future. Um, the third team was 1996 Nebraska. Nebraska won it all in '94 and '95. Uh, they were ranked number three at the end of the regular season uh, in '96. They were 10 and one. They lost to Arizona State in the desert in the second game of the season, 19 to nothing, which was a huge upset at the time. Arizona State ended up. Uh, marching through. They were number two at the end of the regular season. I think they had one loss as well. I think they had a Pac-12 or Pac-10 loss. Um, But at the end of the regular season, it was Florida State number one, Arizona State number two, and Nebraska was ranked number three. But they had to first play in the first ever Big 12 title game against a 7-4 and Texas before they were possibly going to get a shot to repeat to, to three-peat um, because the Bulls were lined up at the time prior to the Big 12 championship. It was going to be Florida State and the Sugar Bowl, and then it was going to be 
Arizona State in the Rose Bowl. They did not have a Pac-12 championship or Pac-10 championship game at the time. So they were locked into the Rose Bowl. And then number three was Nebraska. They were going to probably go and play Florida State in the Sugar Bowl. And then if they beat Florida State and Arizona State happened to lose the Rose Bowl, they they would win the three-peat. Um, but a funny thing happened on the way to the Sugar Bowl. They lost to 7-4 and four Texas in the Big 12 title game. Uh, Texas was a 20-point underdog. Uh, but quarterback James Brown, do you remember this, this, this oh, yeah. incredible play? Texas led 30 to 27, less than four minutes to go. They had a fourth and one at their own 28-yard line, protecting this lead. And instead of punting, John Makovic uh, calls a pass. To, uh, James Brown throws over the middle to a wide open uh, wide receiver. Everyone, I mean, all 11 Nebraska, I watched it yesterday, were just like rushing the line, blitzing. This guy was 10 yards behind the defense, catches the ball, goes 61 yards down the field, locks it up. Texas scores the next play to go up 37-27. Texas wins by 10, and Nebraska's uh, quest for a three-peat is out the window. Yeah, um, remember that game, and it's it's one of the great – it ushered in the conference championship era. Helped yes. do that outside of the SEC because at that time it was just the SEC. I remember everything about that game. I was sitting in uh, – my living room watching that. Um, I don't know where my buddies were. Where I, I, I was by myself at the time because I just remember calling them after and we were all calling each other. I don't know why we were all, weren't all in the same house. Remember the Arizona State game even more, though, because week two. Late, yes, it was early in the season. They, they had two safeties. A guy in my high school, uh, Pete Rockus, actually was on that Arizona State team. He was our best player in high school. So we always kind of cheered for Arizona State a little bit. Um, until they played Ohio State in the Rose Bowl that year, uh, which they could have easily won, by the way, with Jake Plummer. So, you know, that that was a big deal. Um, and, and it was a big deal because Nebraska had dominated the two years before. We were so used to, as I described Nebraska to my son Grant, and I've told you this before, I just tell him they didn't throw the ball and they didn't have to because <laughs> they would just run people over. Um, and their pass rush was ridiculous. So for them to get out physical, it was weird. Uh, this was part of the Scott Frost trajectory, obviously. I mean, coming off of, uh, the Tommy Frazier era, it was tough for Scott Frost because they lose that game right away. They lose in kind of fluky fashion to Texas. They had priest Holmes too. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, yeah, this was one where when they were done, we were okay, like, okay, now who's going to win the national championship now? And didn't we get, uh, got Florida, Florida State as a result, I believe, yes. right? I mean, that yes. was the consequence of this and the consequence of an awesome conference championship weekend. Yep. And it's set the stage for the Big 12, like cannibalizing itself on national championship opportunities because that wasn't the last time. Right. It, right. <laughs> it cost itself a shot at a national title. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, just huge upset. Like I said, 20-point favorite for Nebraska. And, it, it, you know, it takes some fluky things for these three-peats to get derailed, but it also just shows you how difficult it is and how difficult Georgia's road might be in the next, right. you know, the next season to come. So we will see about that. Well, so one other well, thing we wanted to, to – Well, real quick, I was okay. just going to say, Bill, like uh, to your end on Georgia, I've said it multiple times on this podcast of like – Oh, you can circle them being 10 and 0 by the time they play Tennessee. Well, if one of those first 10 games is that loss, 
that will be the Arizona State moment that we'll be talking about 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. Be like, where were you when Vanderbilt beat Georgia? Why not, Bill? Where where were you when Vanderbilt shocked the world? And uh, I will be I, I will be passed out in shock on my on my living room floor. If yeah, that I'll, I'll be filing to one of the copy editors that night because we'll have to wake <laughs> you up. But uh, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. We can move on. 